Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to today's encore presentation of Sports and Boys with Critical Congenital Heart Defects. This is a topic that is of great importance to a lot of parents who worry when they're told their baby will be born with a heart defect that they won't be able to enjoy sports. So sit back and enjoy today's presentation. Welcome to the fifth episode of the second season of Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Our purpose is to empower members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. It's been all over the news lately. Hampton goalie Cameron Ravna set to return after heart surgery. Baylor draft prospect Isaiah Austin diagnosed with career-ending condition. Mother encourages heart screenings after son's sudden death. And Briarcrest athlete who survived potentially deadly heart defect graduates. What do all of these headlines have in common? They all deal with boys or men with congenital heart defects. Boys or men who were athletes. Critical congenital heart disease is a term that refers to a group of serious heart defects that are present from birth. Although babies with CCHDs, critical congenital heart defects, may appear healthy for the first few hours or days of life, signs and symptoms soon become apparent. Children with CCHDs need surgery or other procedures within the first days or first year of life. They are at risk for death or disability if their heart defect is not detected soon after birth. The heart defects classified as CCHD may include, but are not limited to, one or more of the following conditions. Coarctation of the aorta double outlet right ventricle, detransposition of the great arteries, Epstein anomaly, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, interrupted aortic arch, pulmonary atresia with intact septum, single ventricle, total anomalous pulmonary venous connection, tetralogy of Fallot, tricuspid atresia, and truncus arteriosus. How does having a CCHD affect athletes? The athletes in the news headlines I just read all had different heart defects. Today we will deal only with boys with critical congenital heart defects, which is why our topic today is sports for boys with CCHDs. To discuss this topic, our guests today are heart dad, Tommy Jakely, CHD survivor, Richard Utz, and heart dad, Kenneth Utz. Tommy Jackley married Stacy Jackley on August 21, 2004. He is the father of two beautiful children. His son, Kellen, is three years old and was born with a critical congenital heart defect, hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Tommy is also dad to Kaylin, a heart-healthy five-year-old daughter and older sister to Kellen. Tommy is an avid sportsman. As a kid growing up, he played soccer, volleyball, and basketball. He is a huge Philadelphia sports fan. 
He worked for MLB.com online and now works for the Sports Authority. Tommy helps Kellen's heart defect doesn't prevent him from being able to achieve any athletic goals he makes for himself. He's already playing ball with Tommy. Tommy dreams of the day when perhaps Kellen will be the first HLHS survivor to be a pro soccer or baseball player. Hi, Tommy. How are you today? I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. Thank you for having me. Well, I loved reading about Kellen, and I especially loved seeing his pictures on your Facebook page. He is just simply adorable. Can you Thank tell you. us exactly what heart defects he has? Because we all know that hypoplastic left heart syndrome is different for every person who has it. He is just diagnosed with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. The left ventricle was severely underdeveloped and, you know, able to function on its own. So he just had to go through the standard three surgeries. He was born December 21st, 2010. He had his Norwood at two days old at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He then had the Glenn at six months old. And then just this past April, 2014, he had his Fontan at three years old. So he is done with his scheduled surgeries for right now. Yes, that's correct. And it seems like, from the pictures on the Facebook page anyway, he looks very healthy. He looks great. Yeah, he's doing very, very good. We're just a little over two months since discharge and definitely getting back to his typical three-year-old boy self, which is great. It takes a while to come back from the Fontana. It's such a major operation. What have the doctors told you about Kellen's prognosis? They told us that every kid is different. There's no hypoplastic left heart syndrome kid that's going to be the same. And he'll set his own limits is the best way that they described it. They told us that we can't let his diagnosis define him, basically. You know, he'll push himself, and then when he hits that limit, he'll know when to kind of draw back a little bit. And we noticed that from time to time, especially pre-Fontan, we definitely noticed it. And then now post-Fontan, he definitely is pushing himself a little, a little harder. The best thing that we heard was uh, his surgeon is Dr. Gaynor, and he said they do these surgeries to give them a chance of having a normal life. And as parents, we're the ones that need to just let him live that life. And it's our job just to let him live it, you know, push himself. Exactly. I love especially that they said don't let his heart defect define him. I have a son who has hypoplastic left heart syndrome as well, and I can tell you that everything that you just said is true. <laughs> they'll be self-limiting. Yeah. And my son is, is 19 years old now, and I've seen him go wow. through all different stages in his life. And he even got a black belt in taekwondo. So it's oh, amazing wow. what these kids who are labeled with HLHS can do if... Like your doctor said, we allow them to live a normal life. Now, that doesn't mean that every child with HLHS will have the stamina to be able to earn a black belt. And let me tell you, it was very difficult for Alexander, but he was able to do it. That's awesome. I have so much hope for your son. I have so much hope. <laughs> Thank you. This many years later, they're doing surgeries a little differently. They've learned a lot because of people like my son and like our guest, who will be coming on later, Richard. They were kind of the pioneers to help these kids actually see adulthood. So yeah. they're paving the way for your son. So as an athlete yourself, Tommy, what do you think about when the doctors tell you about the seriousness of Kellen's heart defect? Does it scare you? Obviously, initially, we just wanted to, me personally, actually, just wanted to, you know, make sure he was just healthy, see his face, be there, and then just 
go through the steps of the surgeries and do everything possible in our power to let him live a normal life. And the initial reaction, obviously, when you first hear the diagnosis is there's all these things flying through your head. You don't even know what these terms are because you're just mm-hmm. introduced to this right there at that second and they just bombard you with so much medical right. terminology and information right away. And you're just trying to process what you can and you're picking words out and trying to understand things. So, you know, it's definitely the shock of it. But then once you take a step back and try and read everything and you start doing your own research and, and trying to get an understanding, it starts to kind of piece together and then you can kind of formulate your game plan going forward, especially with the surgeries. Yeah, I really felt like my life was on hold until after we got past the Fontan. And then I felt like, okay, now we can move forward. I really felt like our life was kind of in a holding pattern until then because we knew that ultimately he was going to have to have all those surgeries. Exactly. I think for me, especially, the Fontan, even when you first heard about the surgeries, the Fontan was going to be the hardest one, even thinking about it three years ago, because you have built that relationship. You know, you have that all that time between the Glen and the Fontan to see him swing in and, you know, playing baseball and kicking a soccer ball and little things that a toddler will do. And then once you get your date and that rapidly approaches and you're going through that whole process again, it definitely took its toll on me a little bit. But yeah, I completely agree. Now that we're post-Fontan, he has his routine appointments, still has his meds and so on and so forth. But there is no hurdle, another major surgery coming up that we know is in the immediate future. So you have been playing with him. You've been playing ball with him a little bit. What sport do you hope he will want to do someday? Honestly, whatever, you know, whatever he wants to pursue. He loves to watch, you know, obviously the World Cup's going on right now, World Cup 2014. So we've definitely watched a little bit of USA soccer. Then we'll play a little soccer in the basement. His sister had gone to soccer camp, and we took him one day, and he was kicking the ball and the goals and stuff. So he has his little basketball hoop that he shoots baskets with, and then we'll go outside and a little toy golf club around, the golf ball at the golf club, and play catch with the footballs. Honestly, whatever he kind of just picks up and kind of runs with. We're not going to push him into any sport, or we're not going to let HLHS, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, put a fear in him. If he gets hit in the chest with a ball, is he going to be okay? Again, it's just going to let him kind of grow into whatever sport he wants, and then he knows his limits, and he'll control how much effort and everything he can put into it. Now, as a three-year-old, it's pretty easy because they are so self-limiting. I remember if Alex would get tired, he just sat. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no peer pressure. But once he gets older, it's the peer pressure that can be so concerning. So have your son's doctors talked to you about, well, in the future, we're not going to want him to do certain sports? The only thing that they really hit home that fact of he will limit himself. They told us they don't really anticipate him being a power lifter just with the amount of force and stress that it puts on your chest in general just you know lifting weights but again they didn't rule out him not lifting weights you know just for like physical fitness wise and then I'm almost positive they said about changing in pressures like scuba diving and things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, that, that could definitely play a factor you know with the lungs and the heart and all that but outside of that if he wants to run track, they said, let him run track. If he wants to play baseball, let him play baseball. And that's right. kind of just the mentality that I'm taking into it. What's the worst part about being an athlete yourself but having a son who has such a critical congenital heart defect? That's a really good question. I just go back to that philosophy of just 
not letting that diagnosis make the rules for him, basically. The impact on it, obviously, you know, it is a severe condition. He'll have it the rest of his life. But I'm just going to teach him everything that I was taught from playing ball with my dad and, you know, hopefully something that he picks up in life. If he ends up, maybe he just might not end up enjoying sports and he wants to get into uh, theater or something else. It's totally at his discretion, but I'm not going to allow the condition to affect him mentally. I'm just going to let him play it out like a normal kid. And any sport you play through high school and all that, I mean, you have your varsity and you have your JV teams. There's tryouts. There's all those different levels that you have to go through. So there could be a sport that he wants to play that he's just not gifted enough to have the talent to play the sport and it has nothing to do with his condition. That's just like the mentality that I'm just going to take with him. That sounds very healthy. It sounds like a, the perfect way for you to handle this situation with your son, whether he had a heart defect or not. And it seems like sports seem to be even more competitive now than when I was a kid growing up. You see pe- people putting their kids in sports camps at four, five, six, seven years old. When I was a kid, you didn't go to a sports camp until you were in middle school or high school. Yeah, I mean, I just saw something on ESPN the other day. There is a girl, again, completely hard healthy, but she's nine years old and she is playing at varsity level in school and she received a scholarship already. I think it was from Syracuse University. That's the media. That's social media. That's just the spotlight that sports is in. You're right. Pressures on these kids are just immense. It's just something that you just have to kind of take in stride and just, like I said, I'm just going to let him kind of dictate and determine his sports future. If it's something he wants to move forward with, I'm there 100% support. And obviously being very medical, cautious with everything and, you know, taking all that into consideration. But I'm just going to let him make the rules. Well, that sounds perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tommy, and for sharing your experience and your advice with us. I think it's a different world now for parents than it was when we were starting out almost 20 years ago. It's it's hard to believe that my son is that old. I remember so vividly when he was three years old and just kicking a little ball around. We had the little tykes basketball hoop in our living room. <laughs> you would yeah, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I think all the boys have that nowadays in the U.S. anyways. That brought back a lot of memories for me as you were talking about it but we do need to run to a commercial break but don't leave because coming up we have an adult chd survivor and we'll find out how he dealt with his heart defect and other conditions which made it impossible for him to participate in sports the way he wanted to when we return to heart to heart with anna anna jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or chd community these books can be found at amazon.com or at her website www.amazon.com babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with Heart Dad Tommy Jackley, CHD survivor Richard Utz, and Heart Dad Kenneth Utz about sports for boys with CCHDs. We just finished talking with Tommy about his experience of having a son born with a critical congenital heart defect and how that diagnosis has affected Tommy's outlook on his son's condition, especially related to sports. Now we will turn our attention to Richard Utz. Richard is a 22-year-old with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. He has had three open heart surgeries, two lung surgeries, and a tracheotomy before he was five years old. 
His surgeries were done in Queens, New York, although he now lives in Massachusetts. Richard celebrated his first birthday in the hospital. His first two surgeries went well, but he spent 10 months in the hospital after his third surgery. He loved sports, especially baseball. When Richard was a teenager, he went to the Madden Open Hearts Camp, which was established in 1960 thanks to the generosity of Edward J. Madden. The camp is a place where young heart patients can enjoy nature, sports, and recreation. The sport Richard enjoys most is baseball, and the team he and his father cheers for is the New York Mets. We will meet Richard's father, Kenneth, in our next segment. So welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Richard. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, I am very happy to have you on the show today, and you've had a lot going on medically. I have not heard of too many people who have two lung surgeries on top of all of the heart surgeries. Why did you need to have lung surgery? I just ran through so many complications after my third surgery, and it was very different when I was born. Yeah, things were different over two decades ago when they were doing the surgeries. You and Alex and the people before you, they were kind of still experimenting on you all to see what would work and what wouldn't work. And a 10-month hospital stay, your poor parents and you. Do you remember being in the hospital for that long a period of time, or were you still very young? I was very young. I was probably about three or four at the time, so I don't remember any of it. Well, that's a blessing, because I'm sure your parents remember. We'll talk to your dad about that (laughs) here in the next segment. So you were three or four, so you don't really remember that. Of course, you don't remember your first or second surgery, since you had those even before that. So when was it that you first realized that you couldn't run and play like the other children? I did, Jim. I just had a lot of limitations. couldn't really go out in the extreme heat or the extreme cold. Like in the beginning of the gym, they'd run laps, and I really couldn't do it. And people always made fun of me for it, but bothered me as a kid, but I'm really not affected by it now. So even when you were a little boy, even when you were in elementary school, you noticed that you couldn't keep up with the other kids? Yeah, I couldn't keep up with the other kids as much. I'm sure you noticed you had this big scar on your chest. Did your parents go to the school and talk to your PE teachers about your heart condition? They probably did. I just don't remember. Okay, so they didn't make a big deal about it in front of you. No. What sports did you like to do when you were young? What did you like best? My favorite sport is baseball. When I was really young, I was probably maybe six or seven, I started watching baseball with my dad, and I really didn't understand anything. He taught me the rules, signals. He taught me everything. And so I saw that you're an avid Mets fan, as is your father. So do you collect stats on the Mets? Do you have a favorite player? Can you tell me a little bit more about the Mets? When I was a kid, my favorite player was Mike Piazza. Now I'm a big David Wright fan. And okay. in 2000, so- I saw him go to the World Series, and they lost to the Yankees. But- well, that was unforgivable. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that. So were you and your dad together when you watched that? Yeah, I remember watching the World Series in 2000. I just bawled my eyes out. They lost. We were the better team that year, I think. I love the photo that you sent me that I'll be putting up on my website that has you and your dad at the Mets game. How often do you and your dad get a chance to do that? We try to go once or twice a year at least. So do you think that watching the Mets together has brought you and your dad closer? Absolutely. He loved sports as a kid. and Every day he'd get home from work. I'd watch the games with him. We'd talk. I just, I love watching baseball, especially with my dad. There is something special about that. I know my dad, like you, is an avid sports fan, and he especially loved 
baseball. And when he was a little boy, you couldn't watch it on TV, but you could listen to it on the radio. And he told me stories about sitting with his grandfather and listening to the sporting events on the radio. And that was something special they did without fail. Nobody was allowed to talk when the baseball game was on because they were sitting there just glued to the radio. So I can imagine what it's like for a father and son in today's day and age where you can not only watch everything, but there are so many people who have the TVs that have the screen in the screen, so you can actually watch two ball games at the same time if you want to. Technology is great. How do you feel that your heart defect has affected your ability to get close to your dad through sports? Do you feel that it has inhibited you, or do you feel that you and your dad just found a healthy other way to get close? I think that it's a lot. I think he's been very close, even with my heart condition. He, he coached my Little League team for about a year or two, so that was fun. He you know, he always had catches in the backyard. He always hit balls to me. It didn't really limit me when I was a kid. And then when I got to middle school and high school, I realized that it was too dangerous for me to play. But since then, you watch the games together, and you probably talk sports together, right? All the time. Well, it sounds like you have handled that in a really healthy manner. And I so appreciate you coming on the show today, Richard. Thank you. And I just wanted to say one more thing. That hard camp in Great Barrington... You know, I love going there as a kid, and I encourage Tommy's son to go there when he's eight or nine. It's really fun. I love it. That's great. We have another minute or two before we have to go to commercial break. Can you tell us more about this camp, if it costs money, how long you go, do you spend the night, that kind of stuff? Well, it's an overnight camp. My first one, I went for about a week, and then when I was a teenager, I went for two weeks. Lots of fun. There's a swimming pool. You go on hikes, canoeing. You play sports. You go out to movies and stuff like that. It's just arts and crafts. It's really a lot of fun. Now, does that camp also have some nurses or doctors who are there since they understand the seriousness of the heart defects the children have who attend it? They have a nurse 24-7. She dispenses all medication, stuff like that. And you felt safe the whole time? And your parents felt safe with having you there? Yeah, it's really wonderful. I encourage anyone with a heart defect to go. Well, I'm so glad that you told me about this. I can't believe it's been around since 1960. That's probably one of the oldest heart camps that we have here in the United States, and I will be providing a link to that on my website, hearttoheartwithanna.com. I'm really glad you encouraged Tommy to do that for his son, Kellen, because he's only three now, but the time goes by so fast. Kids grow up so fast. Before you know it, he'll be eight years old, and that'll be something that he can look forward to doing. I'm really glad you had a good experience. Well, now it is time for a commercial break. Thanks again for coming on, Richard. We do have Richard's dad coming on next. You can find out what he was told when his son was born regarding sports participation and what his prognosis was when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we're talking about sports for boys with CCHDs. 
We just finished talking with Richard about his experience growing up with a critical congenital heart defect. And as a matter of fact, his heart defect was the same heart defect, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, as Tommy's little boy, Kellen, had. Now we will turn our attention to Richard's dad, Kenneth. Kenneth Utz is a proud dad to Richard Utz. When Kenneth first heard about Richard being born with a rare heart defect, he felt like he was having a bad dream. It seemed surreal to him. Kenneth quickly realized that the nightmare was real and that he and his family had a lot to deal with. When Kenneth was younger, he was quite active in basketball and baseball. Despite Richard's medical condition, Kenneth always shared his love of sports with his son. Today, Kenneth thinks his son might be even more sports-minded than he is himself. From an early age, Kenneth realized that Richard wasn't going to be a star athlete. Kenneth remembers asking the surgeon if the day would come when he would be able to roll a ball to his son on the floor. The surgeon spoke so discouragingly about Richard's prognosis that even that seemed unlikely. Richard's gym classes had to be modified in school, but he was able to play Little League, and we heard Richard talk a little bit about that. Kenneth even coached Richard for one or two of those years. Richard tried soccer, but he never really liked it. His heart defect prevented him from tolerating extreme temperatures very well and limited his stamina. Every now and then, Richard and Kenneth catch a Mets game together or toss a ball to one another. So welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Kenneth. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed listening to uh, Tommy speak of the experiences that he went through. It kind of takes me back from when we all started some 22, 23 years ago. I know. It goes by fast, doesn't it? Yes. I didn't realize you had a 19-year-old. Yes. In fact, next month, Alex will be 20. The time goes by very fast. And my son also has hypoplastic left heart syndrome. I was saying to my husband, I should have said it's sports for boys with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So it's all of the boys that we'll be talking about today. That's the heart defect they have. And when I read your bio, you said rare heart defect. That's what we were told, too, that HLHS was very rare. And yet I'm astounded at how many people I am meeting, especially over the Internet, whose children have HLHS. That's true. I've learned a lot just from the internet, and you do realize as rare as it is, I mean, it could just be me, but it seems to be more prevalent, or maybe we're just hearing more about it. Richard was born in 92, and I remember meeting with the surgeon because he was diagnosed before he was even born, and he's telling you all this stuff, and it's almost like you're not there. I mean, he's talking to you about what the next couple of years get a hold and it almost seems surreal like it can't be happening and nothing you've ever done in your life can mentally emotionally prepare you for really? what you're and you found out in utero that's very unusual we did not find out until after alex was born even though i had three ultrasounds so you knew really? when richard was going to be born and he had hlhs i, I want to say she was probably going into her third trimester Wow, you had really good doctors and really good ultrasound equipment if they were able to pick that up. Did that help you decide where you wanted to have the baby? Well, when we met with the surgeon, he basically, I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for us, but typical surgeons really don't have the best bedside manner, and I'm sure you're aware of that. He basically said, well, we could do the operations here, or you can go to California with him. And he was going on is to say, well, they have a different philosophy. With us, we'd Mm -hmm. rather work with the heart and fix it, mend it, mold it, do what we need to do. In California or in other states, they opt for transplants. Right. So they were probably talking about sending you to Loma Linda. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And they were saying you're basically exchanging one set of issues or problems for another. 
That's exactly what my son surgeon said. <laughs> is that right? Isn't, isn't I guess that's the terminology they teach them to say then. Yeah, because yeah. that's so funny. That's exactly what he said. When we did talk about transplant, Alex was actually so sick when he was finally diagnosed that he wasn't eligible for a transplant. The only option for him was a surgical wrap. You decided instead of going all the way to California to stay in your home state and have surgery there. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, the way he was explaining it was he had to be put on a waiting list, number one, for mm-hmm. the heart to become available. And with newborns, it's very rare for a heart to become available. Right. So we'd be on a waiting list, and he'd have to be put on medications to prevent the body from rejecting the heart. He broke down so many different scenarios as to what could happen. Now, we're going back 22 years ago, and we were told then that had he was born in 92, had he been born in 82, there would have been nothing they could have done. Been born, put in a nursery with all the other children, Mm -hmm. within 24 to 48 hours, he would have turned blue and it would have been a scramble to find out what was causing it, and he would have passed. Right. It's amazing the difference a decade can make. And here we are 22 decades later talking with Tommy, and I have a feeling that what you heard from your surgeon is not exactly the same thing that Tommy has heard from his surgeon. How did your surgeon talk to you about Richard being able to do sports when he grew up? There was a time there when we first met with the surgeon where the way he was making it sound like, what are we going to have? You know, we knew we were having a boy, but I mean, what were his limitations? Is he going to be able to even walk or crawl? So I'm beginning to think, okay, well, maybe the most we could hope for is somebody I could just hold, roll a ball to, and, you know, that will be it. But fortunately for us, he's capable of doing things. He's holding down a job just as recently as maybe a couple of years ago, he got a driver's license, which is every parent, even in the best of circumstances with a child, you fear a driver's license. <laughs> but that fear is, everything is a little more escalated. No matter what mm-hmm. they do, no matter what they attempt, your anxiety level is heightened just because mm-hmm. of the condition. He's on Comodin, which is a blood thinner, so my fear is he gets into an accident and he starts bleeding and he just keeps bleeding. But everything, every activity, everything, it's different. Now, he has a younger brother and a younger sister who, fortunately, mm-hmm. are perfectly healthy. And it's difficult because I always try to, for the most part anyway, treat him no differently than the others. But you can't always do that. Well, and Richard was your firstborn. Is that correct? That's correct. So you were learning how to be a parent with a child who didn't have a healthy heart. Right. Ten months in the hospital after the Fontan? Yeah, we were in there for ten months. I cannot even imagine that. He had, the reason why he had the trait and the lung operations was at one point when we were in the hospital for this ten-month period, he was having trouble with fluids. He was just building up mm-hmm. fluid. He literally right. looked at one point like a beach ball in the bed, and he had chest tubes, and they were draining him. And it was just, I can't even begin to describe it. I literally quit my job, took advantage of the Family Medical Emergency Leave Act, and we just basically stayed by his bedside. We ate, wow. drank, and slept with him. But I don't wish that experience on anybody. So his lungs had collapsed at very sure. time. from all the fluid. From, uh, exactly. I mean, I remember one night, it was a weekend night, I think. I think it was my ex was just there, and she just happened to notice he was sitting in a small puddle of blood. Well, apparently, one of his chest tubes came out, 
and there was nobody there to provide him immediately. And we were literally holding him down with no anesthesia, no painkiller, no nothing, and it was not good. We were staying at the Ronald McDonald House, which is an organization which, if anybody is looking for a really good organization to donate money to, that is one of them. And I know Richard was on earlier, and he was discussing this Madden Open Heart Camp. Unquestionably, the greatest place for you to send your child for a summer who has a heart condition. It doesn't matter which heart condition it is. It could be, and I don't mean to be a little one, it could be a relatively minor one. It could be a major one and anything mm-hmm. in between. And they're very well-versed. There is a nurse on staff. The activities they do with these kids are amazing. It's a two-week session. I think they have three two-week sessions for the kids. They sleep there. It's just a great, great, great place. And I realize we're getting way off topic. We are getting off topic a little bit. But the sports, they do have the recreational sports there, and that is something that I think is important. I think, you know, a lot of parents, especially nowadays, they send their kids to sports camps even when they're elementary school age. They don't even think anything of it. But we are parents. We have to think about that. That's something really major for us. And unless you can be a parent who's there constantly overseeing your child's care, mm-hmm. you're afraid to leave them. But it right. sounds like this camp, and there are, there are a number of other wonderful camps. If you go to my website, congenitalheartdefects.com, I actually have a listing of summer camps. So any of you listeners who are looking for a camp for your kids, check out www.congenitalheartdefects.com and check out the page that has the camps for kids, because those are specially made for kids like our kids who need that extra nurse, doctor, somebody there who in case something does happen, they don't freak out. They know what to do. They have the medications there and and they can take care of our kids. I'll make sure I just made a note that I I also put a link to the Ronald McDonald House. That is a godsend, especially for the families who have to be away from home for months at a time. You can't afford a hotel and Back, you know, 20 years ago, most of the hospitals did not allow rooming in. Now it's fairly common that parents can stay in the hospital. But 20 years ago, they didn't want us parents there 24-7. No, they didn't. It's a totally different world. Yep. I'm really happy to see that even though Richard wasn't able to play baseball the way he would have wished he could, that you all still were able to use baseball to get close to each other. Can you give some advice to parents who today have just found out that they're going to have a baby with HLHS or some other critical congenital heart defect so they know that even if their child can't play a sport, they can still find a way to become closer to each other through sports? Oh, absolutely. 22 years ago, it's a lot different than it is today. Just in hearing Tommy and and his experience, the advancements are amazing. But as far as sports are concerned, I really like what Tommy said about letting your child kind of, I don't want to say dictate his limitations, but know where they are. I remember him saying something about, well, you know, after each surgery, he kind of like took it to the next level. And, you know, if he feels he's had enough, he kind of pulls back. I was seeing that with Richard, too. Don't let the diagnosis, I don't want to say not concern you, not frighten you, because I think when we're scared, we're more cautious. But don't let it be a death sentence, I guess Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. Years ago, I mean, when we first met with the surgeon, he says, okay, well, we're going to have the first operation, and his percentage of making it through is this. And if he makes it through that, then his percentage of making it through the next operation or his likelihood of surviving the next one is this. It was bleak. With advancements, who knows 
maybe we will someday have a great athlete who was originally yeah. died. <laughs> you really, really don't know. But, I mean, I was talking to his cardiologist not too long ago, met a week or two ago. He goes for his routine visits, and she's like, you know, there's going to come a day where Richard and other children might be candidates for a transplant, or they might be candidates for this, that, and the other thing. I mean, they're talking about a pacemaker for him in a few years, and if that's what needs to be done, well, that's what needs to be done. But you need faith. You need to just believe what is hope is a chance. I mean, that's what always got me through. And family. I love that, and that's that's the theme for the show this season is that there is hope, and I think we do need that faith and that belief that our boys can make it through, and they can be happy and live a healthy life. And you don't have to be a professional baseball player to live a healthy life, thank heavens, because there would be lots of heart-healthy little boys who would also be crushed because it's so competitive and difficult to make it as a pro athlete. But our boys can still enjoy the sport. You guys can go to games together. You can talk shop, know all the stats about your favorite players and that can still bring you close together. And and that's what I wanted to talk about with this show was that there is hope. Even if our kids can't be pro athletes, they can still enjoy sports with their fathers or their mothers. My sister is a huge sports fan, and I know that my niece and my sister enjoyed many sports together. So there is definitely hope. There is hope for our boys. Well, thank you so much, Kenneth, for sharing your experience with us. I can totally relate to your experience a little bit more than Tommy, just because we were raising our children in the same decade and we were hearing those dismal, dismal statistics. Back then, it was one in four children who were born with HLHS survived to see age five. Now, 90% actually make it that far. Is that hard to believe or what? And just... That's like 20 years. It really is. Yeah. Yep. The statistics are much more favorable. Oh, my goodness, yes. And I remember when I was just getting back to the Little League thing, he started off with T-ball, and I coached him T-ball. I actually coached him three years. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't round the bases that quickly. And the position I think he felt most comfortable with was maybe first base. And he constantly had to rotate the kids as a coach. He couldn't favor mm-hmm. one kid. And, but, yeah, I mean, he got a hit. You know, he ran. He Threw somebody out. Yeah, when he got a little older, it became more competitive and it got a little different. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, I'm going to put you and Tommy and Richard all on together, and we will take calls. And we actually have a caller who's waiting to talk to you gentlemen, so I'm looking forward to that. Let's just take a quick break, and when we come back, like I said, we'll have our question and answer session. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in just 37 seconds. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with heart dad Tommy Jackley, CHD survivor Richard S., and heart dad Kenneth S. about sports for boys with CCHD. But as I was saying with Kenneth, it really should be sports for boys with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, since all of our boys today do have HLHS. We've had such a great time talking with Tommy and Richard and Kenneth, and now I'm going to try and put them all on together so they can have 
have a chance to ask questions of one another or make comments, it's always a lot of fun to be listening, but there are times that my guests have told me, oh, I so much wanted to ask a question of one of the guests, and so for season two, we actually have a chance to do that. Welcome back, Tommy, Kenneth, and Richard. And here we go. We are in the session together. I want to thank all of you gentlemen again. I think we've really touched on a subject that is so important. When a lot of people find out that they are going to have a baby with HLHS, because my first book was Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, I tend to hear from more parents who have children with HLHS than other heart defects. And usually one of the first questions that a dad will ask me is, what about sports? That's why I wanted to address this topic today. It's such an important part, especially in the American culture, for fathers and sons to do sports together. I'm really appreciative of the fact that all of you came on today to talk about that. Tommy, you got to talk first, and now you've had a chance to hear Kenneth and Richard talk. Do you have any questions for these gentlemen that you would like to ask? First off, it was an absolute honor to be on, and it was an honor to hear you guys you know, share your stories. Thank you very much. It's amazing to hear, like, and Kenneth, you're really hitting this point home of just a different, you know, what 20 years ago to now is. The conversations I'm having with our cardiologists and compared to what you were told, and Annie, you, same thing with you, just that 20 years ago, just what a difference. And the whole time, honestly, that you guys were on, I just kept thinking where it's going to be 20 years from now which is going to be absolutely amazing because at that time, I mean, Callan will be 23. Richard will be, you know, in his 40. Still at an age to be athletic and all that. So it was just absolutely amazing just to hear your story. And I appreciate, Richard, the tip about that camp. I'm definitely going to look at that and, you know, do some research on that. Honestly, guys, thank you so much. Tommy, I really, again, I mentioned this earlier, hearing your story kind of takes me back 22, 23 years ago. And I cannot stress enough the advancements. I really, really can. Every time I go to a cardiologist, it's like, well, now there's a new medication. See, one of the things that Richard has, he has a very high pressure in one of his chambers, and they don't exactly know why it's there. They could do another catheterization, but he's already had three. There's basically only one more access that is left to get to the heart, and we really didn't want to use that up just for the sake of going back in, there needed to be a just reason for doing it. And we really don't have one. And she's telling me now, uh, my cardiologist a couple of weeks back, that there's a new medication that could alleviate that pressure in that particular chamber without having to go in. And years ago, it would have been unthought of. And a transplant even in years to come, he might be a candidate for. So if I can stress anything, if I can drive anything home from uh, today's show, is advancements, 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 you know, and how far we've come. And Anna, you've mentioned it too. I mean, back when, you know, your son was born and my son was born, it was very bleak. They gave you very, very little, you know, very little hope, very little known. Just the fact that you said, you know, you were just hoping to be able to just roll a ball to just play to that level where that was your ideal situation for what basically you were told. They're telling us if he wants to run track, go run track. Just absolutely amazing. You know, like you said, the advancements. And that's why any time that I can help out with any kind of fundraising for our Children's Hospital Philadelphia, I mean, it's a nonprofit hospital, which a lot of people don't realize. And, you know, I mean, that's one of the best children's hospitals in the world. The advancements that keep coming out are just amazing. So I really look forward. Yeah, we're all indebted 
Yeah, we we are definitely all indebted to Chop because that is where Dr. Norwood worked. Yeah, exactly. Perfecting his techniques. So I appreciate any efforts any of our heart parents or people in the heart community or in the community at large make toward research. You're right. That is definitely where it is right now. It was very bleak 20 years ago. In fact, that's why I wrote my book, Hypoplastic Love Chart Syndrome, A Handbook for Parents, because there was nothing out there to give parents hope. Nothing. And they gave my son a 5% chance to survive his Norwood because he was not diagnosed in utero. And by the time they diagnosed his heart defect, he was in congestive heart failure. So talk about bleak. Yeah, we really didn't have much hope for him to make it. But there was no hope if he didn't have the Norwood procedure. So it's kind of like what Kenneth was saying. We had to put all of our faith in that. We had to believe in the surgeon and in our son that they were here for a reason. Well, we do have a caller. So let me put, actually we have two callers, and I've never put this many people on at the same time in my studio. So I'm going to be taxing my studio. But both my husband and my son called in, and I wanted Frank a chance to say something. And Alex, I want to give you a chance to say something right after your dad. Okay, so we'll start with you, Frank. All right. I have a question based on one of my own experiences. Alex, when, uh, my son who's 19 now with HLHS, when he was a child, 9 or 10 years old, he was in karate along with his older brother. His older brother achieved his black belt, and Alex really wanted to. But he worked up to the brown belt. He just couldn't push himself to go further than that. So he chose to quit. But a year, year and a half later, he came back and made himself, by his own choice, pursue it and did achieve his black belt. And I was wondering for you, Richard, are there still goals you have, athletic or sports goals, things that you want to achieve in the future, things you want to push yourself to? Well, one of my, it's not really an athletic goal, but one of the goals I have is I'd like to take a trip to every baseball stadium in the majors. <laughs> That's something I've always wanted to do. Excellent. I like he that. He did. He did take karate, and I think he only got up to about a yellow belt, if I'm not mistaken. But what? then he opted out of it. Well, you know, a lot of kids who are healthy decide they don't want to continue with karate. It's not for everybody. Yeah, it's like, again, uh, my older son, my heart healthy son, competed at the state level in swimming. And his brother Alex, with the heart problems, he was on the team briefly, but it wasn't his thing. He didn't want to continue on it. Kids heart healthy or with heart problems, they all make choices. I was just curious. It's a neat goal you have there. I like that. That's yeah, a goal you can share with your dad, too. He's all about doing that. That is great. Well, Alex, do you have anything that you would like to contribute to the conversation? This is my son, Alex. He's 19 with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Hi, Alex. Hello. Hi. Well, I did do karate, but that was back when I only had my first two surgeries done. And I was able to finish my black belt, but I knew I couldn't really go beyond that at the time. I think now I would, now that I've had my third surgery, the revived Fontan, and I know I'm much, much healthier I am interested in picking that back up at some point. It's It's just we can go a lot further with this stuff, even with a heart defect, than we sometimes think we can, but there are still limits sometimes. There are limits even if you're heart healthy, honey. Exactly. (laughs) Everybody has limits. And some people are just naturally gifted when it comes to athletics. And some people aren't gifted. Gary was always much better than me with that. He was, but you were so determined that you were able to achieve, despite the fact that, yes, your brother did seem more naturally gifted, because of your determination, you were able to go back to it. It wasn't actually a year. It was only six months while he did robotics for six months, and then he went back, and it probably felt like a year or 
horrible <laughs> because you had forgotten <laughs> some of your forms. But the whole karate school was behind Alex. They were so happy to see that he came back and that he wanted to achieve that goal. He knew he wasn't done. He knew he hadn't quite given it his all. But I think you're right, Alex. I think if you went back to do Taekwondo now, since you've had the Fontan revision and since you've had the maze procedure, you do look pinker. You do seem a little bit healthier, and I bet you could do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's another thing. The, the surgeries are getting better now at how much they can do for us, you know, to make us closer to heart-healthy kids. That's good for anyone who has the new kind of surgeries, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wanted, to, I wanted to comment on that. A couple of months ago, I went to Boston to have my wisdom teeth removed, and I told them mm-hmm. about my heart condition. They obviously knew what it was, but they told me that the Norwood procedure is being done on the newborns before they're even born. That's only being done in Boston. In utero. Right. Yeah. They, they are doing an in utero procedure. It is That's amazing. The- well, gentlemen, we are out of time. You guys have been so terrific, and I can't believe it. I got all of the callers on here at the same time. And Can I add one anybody? more thing that's very important? Yes, please do. One more thing. Sorry. Staying on the sports topic. You were able to bring on a Philadelphia Phillies fan, a New York Mets fan, and we were able to have great conversation. And now, granted, we both teams aren't having the greatest of seasons, but you were able to bring together via the heart community Mets fans and a Phillies fan. That is for anyone anyone listening on the East Coast. That is a tremendous accomplishment. I got to agree with you, Doug. I apologize for interrupting again, but I definitely needed to get that out there. I don't want to go back to 2007 and the Phillies. Yeah, that's another show. I I totally forgot about that, you know. That's another show. I I was going to go there. We could do a whole show on that topic. I think we could. We probably could. What I'd love to do is for all of us to go to a ball game together. I think that would be a lot of fun. But we might be not all on the same side. (laughs) <laughs> well, I want to thank all of my guests, especially Tommy and Richard and Kenneth. You guys were so awesome. And Richard, see, this just goes to show persistence pays off. Richard heard my show or heard about my show during the first season, and he wrote to me and he said, I want to be on your show. And he wrote to me two or three times. And finally, I said, you know what? I'm going to make a show just for Richard. And so this is your show, Richard. Thank you for being thank such you. a great fan of the show. And thank you for coming on and bringing your dad. This has been a terrific show. I hope all of our listeners will come back next week when we will be having our show at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com. And remember, my friends, there is hope. Hope.